Welcome. I am your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night. Andrew Boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. Joined, as always, by my guy, John Stargarin. You guys can follow him at MMAFOXSDUSKI on the screen there. And we are here propping you up for UFC Vegas 41, headlined by a light heavyweight matchup now between Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori. Uh, John, I can't believe this entire week, the whole discussion has been about the weight. I wanted these guys to just you know, accuse each other of being on steroids and shit. Like, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty, it's kind of a weird dynamic, right? Like, first of all, isn't it light and heavyweight? I saw that, but I'm seeing Tapology as 195 listed for it. It was 195, um, then they switched to, the last that I heard last night was 205, so. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing's a mess, to be honest. And, like, the funny thing is, this is probably, on paper, the best main event we've had that's not in a pay-per-view in months. Uh and the whole thing's gotten obscured because Paulo Costa is a space case, I guess. But I'm excited for it. It'll be fun, at least, right? So it should be for as long as it lasts because I yeah, I, I don't yeah. see this fight going five rounds, especially considering that uh, what's his face, Paulo Costa, is probably not in the best shape. Like, when have you ever heard a fighter say that? Oh, the UFC is going to like this fight because you know i don't have to <laughs> cut heavier. as much weight so more than likely there's going to be a knockout no <laughs> motherfucker you just got lazy what i honestly think is john and then we'll quickly get into the card years i think he wants to get cut like if you guys remember when he was supposed to take that other fight i, I forgot who it was against i want to say darren tiller or something like that he was yeah. saying that he wanted to get paid more money right and now look at him pulling off the shenanigans and it's not even bothering him right like they're joking no, about no. it making videos about it and all that shit so personally i think win or lose he wants to get released by the ufc year and i wouldn't even be surprised if he kind of just dialed it in for this weekend and just said you know what fuck it let's just let's take this l and then hopefully the ufc releases us <laughs> well he's clearly not taking it very seriously right i mean it was one of the most alarming um press conferences i've seen in some time and i am not i'm pretty anti-narrative at all times but when your guy's up there basically saying he's done cutting weight and you figure out what weight he'll fight at, it's like, okay. Clearly, you know, one guy here is taking it seriously and the other guy looks like, like you said, I'm with you. I think he wants to leave. Yeah, it's really unprecedented to see a guy in such a high spot in a main event slot to be like, we're not fighting at this weight class. We're going to go up a weight class. The only other time we could see this as of late was Nick Diaz a couple of weeks ago, but Paulo yeah. Costa is far from Nick Diaz. So I, I don't think the UFC is going to take uh, too kindly to what he's doing this weekend. All right. Uh, let's not waste too much more time. We got a 14 fight slate for you guys. The wins actually just kicked off and I am keeping an eye on it. Oh, it looks like Paulo Costa is walking up to the scale this second. Let's Yeah, I hope see. he misses weight. I, I just want to quickly hear what he's going to be weighing in at here. And then we'll get started with the card. Uh, you know, looks to be in Paulo Costa's shape a little bit thicker with the couple C's, you know, uh, putting on his mask nice and slow. Let's hear what uh, the weight is. The, the guy taking a little bit too long to get his weight right now. <laughs> One, 204 and a half for Mr. Costa. Okay. So there you have it. So you didn't take what have you want with that narrative. Yeah, take yeah. what you want with that narrative. But uh, there he is, two or four and a half. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about that once we actually get to the the fight on the uh, on the card here. So let's start off at the bottom of the card. First and foremost, we got Jonathan Martinez going up against Zviad Lazishvili. I will nail that sooner or later. Uh, but in terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus one twenty for Zviad, who actually opened up around minus one seventy, uh, and then obviously the return here on Jonathan Martinez is almost even money plus one ten, depending on where you look at. I know you have some 
pretty convicting thoughts about this matchup. So I'm not going to jibber-jabber about it too much. I like Jonathan Martinez on this side of things, but I'll actually let you break it down in terms of why you like him so much. Yeah, so Martinez is actually my biggest bet of the card, and I was hoping we'd have props out for this because I do have moderate interest in Martinez KO if it's at a good number. But, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really understand. Like, the opening line was crazy, and then I bet it at plus 162, and I still don't really understand Martinez being in a dog. You know, you look at Lazarus career, and he's beaten a lot of shitty fighters regionally, and even the guys, you know, in LFA, you know, he beat – Josh Huber, but he almost died down the stretch in that fight. Like he barely made the final bell there. Uh, he beat uh, Ricky Steele. Like again, none of this is blowing my hair back. And if you look at the Huber fight, you know he looked hopeless on his feet. And like yeah. in terms of his wrestling, I'm not even really ready to say he's a great wrestler. Like he's caught a couple kicks and took Huber down with it, but he doesn't attempt a ton of takedowns. I really haven't seen him face any resistance. And you know Jonathan Martinez, I at least know you know he may have his issues with takedown defense, but he's not going to stay flat on his back, right? He's not going to sit there except the bottom. He's going to look to work up. He's reasonably responsible jujitsu-wise. I'd be pretty surprised if he got controlled for seven, eight minutes here. And if that doesn't happen, I just think the gap on the feet is massive. Martinez is so – like, Martinez is a legitimately good striker, and Lazarusvili is a legitimately awful striker. And so it's like, for you to favor Zviad, you have to assume he's going to get six to eight minutes of top control, I think. And I just – I don't think you can make that assumption. Plus, you know, the cardio dynamic favors Martinez dramatically. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Martinez should be a solid favorite here. I think this line is crazy. Uh, I am somewhat interested in KO whenever that comes out, but I love Martinez in this spot. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'll just add a couple of things that I noticed when I was researching this fight. Uh, all 10 of his opponents pre-LFA, 0 and 0. Uh, a couple of those fights, actually three-minute rounds as well. And you kind of see him huffing and puffing if it does go into the second or third round. Not to mention, we obviously saw it in his first LFA fight against Josh Huber, where he did manage to you know, land a couple of takedowns in the first two rounds. And then in the third round, seems to slow down. Uh, but the interesting thing about the Josh Huber fight, same coaching staff as Jonathan Martinez. Josh Huber is a factory X guy, so I'm sure they've already been game planning for a guy like Ziviad in the past. So when his name came up as a possible short nurse replacement, I think they were just like, oh, yeah, we got a better fighter now that could take on this guy, and more than likely he'll win. Uh, yeah, in terms of his takedowns, especially on the regional scene, it seems like a lot of them were just naked shots. He's just throwing them out. They're not really yeah. setting them up, and that's not going to cut it on the big leagues here uh, with the UFC. So, yeah, I I'm on that side with you as well, John. The one thing I did want to actually wait for was the weigh-ins personally. I don't put too much stock into it, but uh, Jonathan Martinez has been one of those guys in the past yeah. that has battled with the weight, uh, with the with the scale as well. So that's something that we have to keep an eye on. Uh, just quickly scrolling through the weigh-ins here, it doesn't looks like look like he's weighed into this point. So I'm going to wait off on that. As soon as he hits the scale, looks good to go. I'm probably going to be pulling the trigger there too. I wouldn't even mind if I, you know bit the bullet and waited a little bit too long and got like yeah. you know, pick him or even minus 115 minus 120 on martinez here because i do think he should be the rightful favorite a lot one of the rules a lot of people have is don't bet against georgians but i think you can bet against this jordan a uh, georgian i think he's more of the roman delizze crop than the marab devos really crop but the only reason he's a favorite is because he's georgian like that's a, that, that, that's <laughs> exactly. it I, I it's like the russian tax right yeah 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 shout out to uh kaiser s here mma tax the ovs of dagestan and now the elis from georgia exactly <laughs> i know this is going to come a bit of a, a surprise to you john but thank you kaiser appreciate the birthday love your boy yeah, doing work on his off. birthday here god damn it 
<laughs> All right, let's uh, move on to the next fight here. We got Lavinia Souza going up against Randa Marcos. And in terms of odds, we got minus 130 for Souza, plus 110 for Marcos. Talk about a fall from grace from Souza in terms of coming to the UFC, former Invicta champs, minus 1,200 in her debut against Alex Chambers. And you saw exactly why, because she was able to get out of there uh, pretty quickly. Uh, but then since then, she's gone two and two wins over Ashley Yoder and Sarah Frota. If you guys saw, if you guys remember Sarah Frota, like tattooed up chick over there looked like she was about to steal your lunch money or something um and then she has obviously come up short against brianna van buren and amanda lemos last time around but she's really like fallen off to be honest to to even consider marcos live against her is almost a spit in the face of what she was in terms of coming into the ufc but that's what we got here man i i don't think if if souza gets this fight to the ground and is not able to have success uh, and this fight remains in the striking round for 15 minutes, 14 minutes, 13 minutes. You got to believe that Randall Marcos is live just based off on t uh, activity alone. It's very difficult to back a woman that's 10, 11, and 1 in her UFC or her pro MMA career. But with that said, I think it's still going to be difficult for her to establish that game, right? I think that uh, Souza has decent striking, but I think it's just the volume that she lacks at this point in time. Uh, Marcos, obviously, before the Pinheiro fight, uh, picked up everything and it moved. She went down to Texas. She started training with the Mike Jordan of Jiu-Jitsu or MMA, whatever the fuck they called it, <laughs> Travis Luter. And then, uh, you know, that, that just lets you know she really wants to work on a Jiu-Jitsu game uh, and, and try to hone that part of her game And just because, like, her striking seems to be good to go in terms of at least throwing activity out there. Not real technical or anything. Don't expect that from Marcos here. But she does at least put on a good pace and volume to, uh, against her opponents. Very tough to trust Ronda Marcos, though, right? She does stupid fight IQ shit. Like, you expect her not to, but she does. Mar the Mackenzie Dern fight, exact. Like, like there couldn't be a, a, a clearer reason as to why I believe that statement is true. All fight week. I'm not playing in her guard. I'm not going to get in her guard. What does she do? Oh. Get in her guard. First opportunity she does. Even the Louis, uh, Luana Pinheiro fight. I know she was getting crushed for those first couple minutes there, but I truly thought the tide was turning in that fight. And if she didn't, you know, land that up kick, I think that fight probably, you know, would have been completely flipped. I think Pinero was trying to gas. I think she was looking for a way out. I think she was doing her best Aljamain Sterling impression. Is what it is. Uh, I, I wish we got the main uh, or, or the rematch there actually, because so we could actually see it play out. Because I saw a lot of people yeah. even after the fact when I was making that case, they're saying, "Oh, you know." Um, Pinero was going to record. Did you not watch the first two and a half minutes? Guys, come on. Two and a half minutes. The fight's 15 minutes. If you can't get her out of there, the fight's 15 minutes. I don't think she's going to be able to keep that up. With that said, I am on the Marco side. No bet for me, though. I do think she goes out there and out-volumes Sousa on the feet. Um, if it does get on the ground, I'm interested to see what kind of improvements Marcos has been making down there in Texas. John, I'm pretty certain you're on the Marco side. Tell me why. Yeah, I have a storied history of losing money on random Marcus fights, and I'm looking to continue it here. Um, <laughs> uh, the truth is, I think Lavinia Sosa is a bit of a fraud. To be honest, I think if you go back to, first of all, I'm not going to speculate on what supplements she may have been taking in Invicta, but let's just say she has not looked like the same fighter. But even going back to her Invicta days, you know, it's funny because Hamasaki and Deanna Bennett are probably the two best fighters she fought over in Invicta, right? Yeah. But she won both of those fights inside 90 seconds. And I feel like reasonably convinced that if those fights get extended, she loses both of them pretty cleanly. Uh, and so, you know, her career could have looked very different without that. And you look at her in the UFC and it's like, yeah, she beat Chambers in her first fight. But she hasn't really looked good since. There's a very strong argument that Frodo beat her in that fight. Obviously, yeah. you know, 
she just got destroyed by uh, Lemos. Brianna Van Buren, who we saw in her last fight, is not much of a striker, dunked on her standing. And so I, I just like I, I look I look at this fight and I'm like, yeah, I get it. Rand is an idiot. F minus fight IQ. No doubt about it. The thing is, I know Rand is going to do things. She is going to do things for 15 minutes. She's going to throw strikes. Whereas Souza is very reliable to not throw strikes. I mean, Souza losing minutes to Ashley Yoder in 2021 on the feet, I think tells you all <laughs> you need to know about this fight, right? Yeah. So to me, it's like the only way you could not favor Randa is if you think a Souza grappling clinic is incoming. And I just don't really see it. You know, Randa's fought much better grapplers than Lavinia Souza and scrambled fine with them. And so, I, I, yeah, I guess Souza could steal a round or two if she's takedown sequencing right, but she's not even a particularly proactive grappler. And so, you know, I favor Randa like pretty significantly here. Um, so I bet her on the money line. I think Randa by decision is a pretty sharp angle because I'm pretty certain she's not going to sub Souza. And I think a KO would be almost entirely reliant on some kind of an injury. But yeah, I mean, I think this is Marcos all day. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's always difficult to convince the masses that Marcos is live in a spot, especially when she's owned for in her last four fights. But it's all just, you know, it's, it's, and it's, not, it's all matchups. If not, she'll get cut and I won't have to lose money on her again, right? So it, either way, it's a win-win here. Yes, sir. Shout out to Tajik Bay. Appreciate the love, my guy. Make sure you guys go check out his Twitter page. He did actually release a T-shirt that he's going to start selling now with that beautiful logo of his, and he's going to be di distributing the, the profits, apparently, from it to the MMA content creators of the world. So make sure you guys go check that out. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Jeff Molina going up against Daniel D'Souza, or sorry, Daniel De Silva or Daniel Lacerdo. Uh, we're going to be going with De Silva now because that that seems to be what everybody's going with. Uh, violent fight, man. Uh, I'm very intrigued by the under two and a half in this spot. Uh, roughly around plus money. I think it's about plus 120 at this point in time. I like that spot, man. This guy, Lacerdo, has never seen the third round. All of his fights finishing within two rounds. His only loss came due to a shoulder injury 40 seconds into that fight. So let's give him a mulligan there. Let's just say he's undefeated at this point in time. But yeah. uh, he's really going into the deep end here in terms of a disciplined striker that he's going to be going up against here in Jeff Molina. I think Molina is obviously the better fighter, right? Lacerda, I think me and you can both agree, is just a wild man. He likes to go out there and kind of just throw the kitchen sink at his opponents. And if he's not able to come out on the winning... well. Actually, he's always come out on the winning end. 11 pro fights, uh, all won, won every single one of them. Again, asterisk on that one loss uh, uh, due to a shoulder injury. Um, Jeff Molina, we saw decent durability for him in his last fight against uh, uh, Lang Kari. I can't remember the guy's name exactly, but um, yeah, great fight. Back and forth fight. Both guys having a tremendous success. However, uh, I do think that Molina will be able to find the chin of this guy eventually, and I do think he'll be able to put him down. He just has to be very disciplined early here, and then after that, I think he's going to start to take over. Gotta believe a guy with the style of Lacerda, uh, or sorry, uh, De Silva, uh, will start to gas the later that this fight goes, right? I know we haven't seen him in that third round yet, but I do think that he'll more than likely be gassed out considering his fighting approach, which is let's just throw everything at the wall and see what the fuck sticks. And if I'm <laughs> able to knock out my opponent sick, if not, again, we haven't seen him lose yet, but I think we'll see that this weekend because uh, he's going to be taking a huge step up in competition. So in terms of props, I like the under two and a half. Uh, again, plus 120, I think that's a solid spot. Uh, and then even if we want to get a little bit more uh, greedy, plus 500 Molina by KO, I think that's a very solid spot as well too. John, how do you feel about this matchup, brother? Yeah, I like the under and Molina by KO as well. Um, I see that all the way up to plus 500 in spots. Honestly, like not a whole lot to add. I don't really see a lot in the tape from Lacerda to make me think he's some kind of, you know, 
he seems explosive and he comes out hot, but I don't really see a whole lot that makes me think he's going to present too many issues to like actual, you know, UFC vets. And Molina on the other side, I guess he's still somewhat of an unknown, but we now have like six solid rounds of data on him. And we know he's got great cardio. We know he has incredible output. We know he's durable and we know he has a good getup game. I, I don't really think he needs a whole lot more than that. And he hits pretty hard. And so, yeah, I think he's going to pace Lacerda pretty easily here. And I think a finish down the stretch is pretty likely. So, yeah, I like the under. I like the KO. If you wanted to poke round three, I wouldn't take, wouldn't blame me for that either. There we go. There we go. All right, let's just keep moving along here. Next up, we got Kamal Worthy going up against Jay Herbert. Uh, in terms of odds, we're looking at minus 170 now for Jay Herbert, plus 150 the return on Kamal Worthy. Seems like a pretty easy fight to break down in terms of I believe that Herbert is the better technical striker. Should be able to kind of, you know, dance circles around Kamal Worthy to a certain, certain extent. But one thing we need to be worried about in terms of Worthy is obviously his knockout power. He definitely does have that, 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 uh, you know, that ability to put guys to sleep, just as we saw in his UFC debut against Devontae Smith. Here with uh, Jay Herbert, you know, it, it is a little bit sketchy, right? The guy's been finishing his last two fights. Uh, he can get hit. He can be clipped. And I don't know if I would be willing to trust somebody for, you know, seven and a half to 10 minutes to try to go out there and outstrike Kamal Worthy. Because I think if Herbert is successful, he could go out there and, and finish Worthy the later this fight goes, because I do think that the striking uh, discrepancy is actually that big, right? I'm not a big Worthy believer, to be honest. Uh, I, I just think he really has knockout power. That's 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 the best he has. Um, I did, you know, kind of get fucked when I did bet Luis Pena against him last June, uh, not expecting that type of approach from Luis Pena, but is what it is, not in the UFC anymore. That's a completely different uh, conversation, though. But uh, I did, did manage to get a little bit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he got cut. Yeah, he yeah. got cut. Um, I did manage to make a little bit of that back as I did hit on uh, Otman Azatar in the next fight. Round one plus 250, which I thought was an absolutely crazy line. So I had to take the shot on there. Luckily, it paid off. Uh, but here against Jay Herbert, man, I like Herbert, but it's going to be difficult for me to pull a trigger here, especially when you got a knockout punch like Kama Worthy on the other hand, who's going to be difficult to put away at first. And I think we'll see Herbert in difficult situations at times. But if he gets through it, I do think, I do think he'll be able to finish Worthy a little bit later in this fight. So uh, in terms of props, uh, like I said, I'm going to go Herbert. Uh, one interesting prop, uh, obviously worthy by KO plus 380. That's probably the bulk of his win condition. So to get it at that number, I think that's not too bad. But Herbert inside the distance plus 100 because I think he could either get a sub or a KO. That's probably the way that I'm going to go about it. Round two, round three, not bad either for Herbert. Round two, currently sitting around plus, um, plus 500. And then round three, sitting at plus 925. John, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I feel a bit differently. I kind of like Worthy here, to be completely honest. Um, I, I guess, look, I'm not a huge Kamal Worthy fan. I bet Jamie Malarkey against him in his last fight. Um, I also had the Azatark uh, KO round one against him. Uh, but I am just very, very anti-Jay Herbert. Like, I, I, I've seen, I've at least seen, you know, Kamal Worthy have, you know, competitive minutes with, like, really good fighters. And, like, look, you give Herbert a bit of a break because it's Trinaldo and Moicano. Obviously, that's not the task he has in front of him here. So I do give a bit of a break for that. Uh, the problem for me is it's just like Herbert's minus 185 if you're looking at the money line. And I, I expect, you know, I think Herbert's a better boxer, but I do think Worthy's game is a bit more diverse than Herbert's. Um, I also think if anybody was going to grapple here, it's probably Worthy. Herbert's like the worst defensive grappler I've ever seen. Um, he's up there in the John Phillips tier of grapplers, of British <laughs> grappling. Uh, but, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, it's like I think both guys are super fragile and can get put out here. Uh, I think it's going to be fairly competitive on minutes. And like I said, I think Worthy's got some grappling upside. So, like, I favor Worthy here. Uh, I love the Worthy KO plus 380 because I do largely agree with you. Like, I don't – honestly, like, I'm not hitting the under because I hate playing under one and a half. But, like, yeah, I don't even think that's a crazy bet because – like, what are these guys going to do? I don't think they're going to stare at each other. That's not really Herbert style. He always yeah. pretty much comes out hot. Like, I think they're going to swing. Um, so I don't hate it. I, and I, I like Worthy KO quite a bit here. It's one of my favorite, you know, prop bets on the entire slate, to be honest. My, my concern about the under one and a half is if we see a little bit more of a cautious approach from Herbert. Like the Devontae considering Smith Considering he's 0-2. Sorry? Or like the Worthy Devontae Smith fight where, I mean, he did finish him, but it was pretty... Yeah, Low it was a bit of a feeling out process for yeah. the, both of those guys there. Could be that too, right? Again, that did end up in the first round as well, so you do have that type of ammunition. But yeah, I feel as though Herbert, knowing he's up against the, the wall here, 0-2 in the UFC, more than likely will get cut with the loss. I, yeah, I'd like that two and a half, but again, it's minus 230 at this yeah. point in time. So people do expect this fight to get finished. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We got Lariana Staropoli going up against Jamie Pickett. This was a fight that was supposed to take place a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I believe it was a COVID-related situation that pulled one of them out. Uh, but now here we are, and we got minus 210 for Lariana Staropoli, plus 175 for Jamie Pickett. And, I'm, you know, I understand it's Jamie Pickett, but, like, Minus 200 or above for a guy like Loriana Staropoli is very sketchy. Like, I know this is his second fight up at middleweight. Uh, in terms of size, he's not really giving up too much, right? Other than the height or other than the reach, which he's at a nine inch reach disadvantage, he is only at a one inch height disadvantage as well. So, uh, I do think his size will be fine. But given his like unorthodox nature of just throwing spinning shit and like flashy shit, I think it will allow him to kind of close distance pretty well. I don't think Jamie Pickett's a heavy you know, hitter, you know, I think he's kind of mediocre to be honest, maybe even below mediocre at this yeah. point in time. Uh, usually when he does well is when he's pushing the pressure like the Jonathan Patti fight, but more often than not, it seems like he allows his opponents to kind of dictate the pace. I don't know what made him go apeshit in the uh, in the uh, Jordan Wright fight in terms of, you know, trying to secure a takedown for the life of him, but then that ultimately opened up the knockout for Jordan Wright in that situation, but uh, I, I think that he was giving Wright a lot of respect in terms of the power that he was bringing to the table, which is why he probably wanted to ground that fight, but again, you saw him get knocked out there. This is a fight that I honestly want nothing to do with. I am on the Star Police side because I'm just not that high on Pickett at all. Uh, I'd yeah. be kind of surprised if there's a finish on either side because historically speaking, Jamie Pickett has been a durable guy outside of that Jordan Wright fight, but he just put himself into a very precarious position. Um, over two and a half minus two thirty makes absolute sense, uh, but I'm going to be going with Star Poli by decision at plus one ten. Even that's just not enough meat on the bone for me yeah. to be like, oh, I'm going to take that. No, this is a, a pass of all passes. How do you feel about this one, brother? Uh similarly, I I don't have any real strong feelings here. Like I guess Star Poli should deal with Pickett. Like I don't really think Pickett is UFC level, and like. Look, Star Poli hasn't been very impressive, and I did bet him in his last fight, and that was awful against the leads. And he can get stuck on the fence, which is concerning, uh, especially since, for whatever reason, Pickett decided he was a wrestler in his last fight against yeah. Jordan Wright. Um, and maybe he'll do that here. That's probably his best path, even though he does have that huge reach, right? Uh, but, like, Star Poli had competitive minutes standing with Tim Means. He won a kickboxing match with Tiago Alves. Like, those guys are just on a level that – you know, Pickett can't really almost approach. And so it's like as uninspiring as Starpoli is, I do think you should probably handle Pickett and this line is right. Uh, 
in terms of props though like i don't know like I, it's so hard to feel strongly right i, I guess i like the over I, I guess the over and um star poli by decision you know what what is the decision line plus 120 yeah that's not bad and he's not a big he, he he's not really a big hitter so like yeah. I, I do kind of think you're you know the line is about right and you're probably yeah i i'd say star poli by decision but i'm with you i think this is a just pass it don't put money on this way I like it. Uh, I can confirm Jonathan Martinez looking damn good on the scales, 135 pounds, nice. ready to go for tomorrow. So he should be able to put a beating on Mr. Georgia over there. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got uh, Tabitha Ricci, baby shark, going up against Maria, uh, sorry, Maria Oliveira. Um, in terms of odds, we're looking at chalk here on Tabitha Ricci, minus 255, plus 215 on Oliveira. Pretty binary fight to break down here. Ricci will be able to find most uh, success in terms of getting this fight to the ground. And I think from there, she can pretty much do whatever she wants uh on the feet Oliveira probably the better striker but not by a whole lot right like she, i don't think she yeah. throws crazy heat i think the women that she's been finishing are you know below average it looks obvious whenever that uh, maria Oliveira takes a step up in competition she falls short or she ends up getting finished um you know the 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 kana I, i'm trying to remember the japanese chick's name asakura but, yeah asakura uh that fight you know great takedowns from asakura and then she eventually like she was close to getting a submission in that first round it ultimately ended up going to the second round but yeah. she got the fight down pretty easily again and then was able to work for that submission brown belt in jiu-jitsu is tabitha ricci if i'm not mistaken but she looks damn good on the ground she does a good job in terms of controlling her opponent and i know she's only six and one in her mma career but she spent uh, a good majority of time doing some other sport i don't recall what the name of it is but it was for some japanese comp company named siza it was her uh and yulia stoliorenko that took part in this whereas like they wear a gi top uh shorts uh and they can go for takedowns but they can only spend 30 seconds on the ground she won pretty much all of her fights in that sport except one and then is this the custom then, rule stuff yeah the custom rule stuff uh, it's pretty much like MMA, but you're only allowed to spend about 30 seconds on the ground. Uh, but, you know, she did win the majority of her fights. I think she only lost one there. Uh, and then she came back to the sport of MMA. Um, I think she rolls here, man. I, I, my, my main concern, though, is her takedown game, like her wrestling game specifically. Like, I don't think Oliveira brings that much to the table here. We did see her shuck off a couple of decent takedowns against yeah. a, a wrestler that I know in Alyssa Garcia. But again, Garcia, really not that good of a fighter, even though her background is uh, is wrestling. I like Ricci here. I do think she'll be able to get the takedowns and then be able to lock up a submission there. One of my more confident plays on the card. There is no lock of the night play on this card, guys. I've already kind of put it out there. But Ricci is probably one of my more confident spots. So yeah, I like her and I like her inside the distance. I think that line is currently around plus 150 uh gotta take a shot there man I, I think that they're worlds apart on the ground and i think that we can see Ricci even by submission of plus 35 not have too bad of a line but again let's not get too greedy plus 155 for inside the distance is good enough how do you feel about this matchup yeah i i mean i, I don't really i think maria Oliveira is not again similar to jamie pickett is not ufc level you know you look at when she has looked good it's almost universally against women who have had you know, like under three fights or like O and O. You know, her last two fights were against fighters that were O and O. It's like, what are you doing? You're 15 fights into your career and you're like, these are the fights you're taking. It's very bizarre to me that they're having her come to the UFC after tapping the strikes on the feet against Marina Rodriguez and obviously getting dominated by Kana Asakura. Um, I, she's horrible on the mat. I think striking, you know, maybe you could favor her there here, but I'm not even like, totally convinced she outstrikes Richie on the feet. It's probably a close competitive fight if they're striking. Uh, if Richie's smart, she's just going to jump out, dive for legs all fight. Uh, I don't think Richie's wrestling is that great. But again, like 
Oliveira, I just don't see like anybody with like C level wrestling is going to be able to get her down. And on top, I think Richie just dominates her here. Uh, yeah, I don't think she presents many issues for Richie. I actually think there's probably some value on the money line for Richie. And, and I love Richie I- ICD here. I'm going to be all over that. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Let's move on to the next fight here. We got Mason Jones going up against David Onama. If you guys remember, Mason Jones was scheduled to fight uh, Alan Patrick once again after they had their last fight go to an old contest due to an eye poke. But we all know Alan Patrick doing his best uh, Academy Award performance there, trying to get that uh, that DQ, but he ends up with a no contest. Um, it was hilarious. Right after the, the decision was read there, Alan Patrick kind of goes over to Mason Jones, and Mason Jones is like, nah, bro, nah, I know I know you what you're doing here. I'm going to fuck you up when we get this match going on. And luckily for Alan Patrick, he was able to weasel his way out of the matchup. And in steps, James Krause, protege, uh, David Onama, 8-0, and uh, but the majority of his fights, actually all of his fights, uh, he is the hometown guy in that promotion, KFCA and uh, FAC as well, which, if I'm not mistaken, is run by James Cross. You got to believe that they were giving him some favorable matchups. However, when he did have to face adversity, he did a decent job. Uh, there was that one fight where he continuously gotten taken down, but he did a good job in terms of reversing his opponent, getting on top and doing some decent damage of his own. Uh, that was the Justin Overton fight. Uh, and he ended up winning that fight. Uh, none of his fights have gone to a decision. He's able to get out all of his opponents, just like Daniel uh, De Silva earlier on this card. Uh, but in terms of what Onama brings to the table, it seems to be seems to prefer striking, seems to be at distance, yeah. or seems to be comfortable at distance, and waits for his opportunities to to really get his opponents out of there. However, he's finally taken a legit step up in competition now. Mason Jones, great durability, good. Uh, great hammer as well, right? Mason Jones really likes to come forward and kind of punish his opponents. Black belt in judo, brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I think he's going to look to take this fight to the ground and really start to work on Ama. Uh, am I willing to pay that minus, what is it, minus 500? Minus 500, yeah. Minus 500, Mason Jones. I'll probably just have him in like a, a Hail Mary parlay, but in terms of any serious money, I doubt I'm going to be putting anything on it. He should be the rightful favorite. This line does seem accurate, uh, and I think he's going to go out there and smash uh, Onama. However, who knows what Onama could bring to the table is Mason Jones overlooking this guy. And Onama does have decent enough striking to, to make it a little bit competitive if Mason Jones decides to go out there and have a striking battle with this guy for 15 minutes. Uh, I'm on uh, Jones. Uh, does he get the finish? Possibly. If he can s- properly implement that uh, that top pressure, uh, he is a little bit, of, well, not a little bit, he is quite offensive-minded. He more than yeah. likely wants to get his opponents out of there. So uh, Jones inside the distance, minus 140. Again, it's always nice to get a plus number if you can. We're not getting that here, John. But what are your what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I mean, I think the line is more or less right. Maybe it could even be a little wider, to be honest. I, I think there are people, there's one particular fight, um, it's this guy named Overton who was like a black belt, but I think people are going to watch and get suckered into thinking uh, Onama's a decent grappler. I actually took away the opposite thought from that. I don't think he's a very good grappler at all. Um, Those takedowns came way too easy. Yeah, yeah, way too easily. And like the positions he was scrambling out of just, I mean, it was ugly. It was an ugly fight. And Jones is an excellent grappler. Uh, black belt in judo, black belt in jiu-jitsu, tremendous submission grappler, good wrestler. Uh, I think Jones can pretty much do whatever he wants to on the mat, even standing, like, Onama hits hard, but like you mentioned, mentioned, Jones is a hammer. He comes forward and he can take damage and go forward no problem through it. Um, I just I think Onama needs to KO him early here, and I just don't think Jones. That's very. I don't think it's likely to happen at all, to be honest. And if it doesn't, I think he wins it however he wants on the feet or on the mat. 
something I think is interesting here. Like I, I wouldn't say I'm too passionate about props here, but like I touched on, I kind of think the market is being a little too high on Onama's grappling. Uh, I think there's a huge gap in the grappling here. And Jones by submission is a plus 500. I'm seeing one book's got plus 550. Uh, so I actually kind of like that. I think that's worth like a, a decent stab here. I like it. That's a solid approach. Yeah, I do. I do agree with you that people might watch that Overton fight and be like, oh, look at yeah. all these reversals. I think that's more so the fact that Justin Overton is just not a good top guy. No. And I think that we'll see Jones have much more success in terms of securing that top position and getting some work off from there. I don't mind that sub prop either. Uh, plus 550 is not too bad of a shot. So check out your bookies and see if you guys have access to that. All right, let's move on to the uh, prelim headliner here. Um we got Junyoung Park going up against Gregory Rodriguez. In terms of odds, I believe it's pretty much a pick. Looks like a little bit of money coming in on Rodriguez. Actually, minus 120 on him and then plus 100 the return on Junyoung Park. Very difficult fight to break down for me, honestly. Like, I think it's pretty even. I thought the pick line was accurate here. It's pretty much the the cardio pace output and overall MMA game of Junior Park against the explosive power and even, you know, decent solid jujitsu as well from Gregory Rodriguez, not to mention good uh, knockout power as well. Yeah. So very difficult fight to break down. It feels like it's going to be Gregory Rodriguez early and then Junior Park late, but it really depends on how the momentum shifts and at what point the momentum shifts, because it's going to come down to that second round. In my opinion, I like park, man. Uh, the iron turtle goes out there and continuously upsets people. And he's just, like he doesn't seem like the guy that's that has it all, but he he has enough of it. You know what I mean? Like right. he has good enough cardio, he has good enough output, uh, he has solid fight IQ. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people are writing him off after that Anthony Hernandez loss, but like you know, Hernandez, when he's not getting stiffed quickly, he's not too bad of a fighter either. But Junyoung Park, you know, uh, showed some really good things in that fight. But he's really starting to come into his own now, especially after that win over Tafan and Chukwu last time around. I do lean Park ever so slightly here. I'd be surprised if either guy gets a finish, to be honest. I think Park is notoriously durable. Um, so the over, which is currently sitting at minus 160, a little bit juicy at this point in time. I do think it goes over. Um, even the fight goes to the decision at minus 135. I don't think it's too bad of a look, especially considering how even as I expect this fight to be. Uh, but I do lean Park, and I do lean him by decision, which currently sits at plus 225. So for me, it's either the overs, fight goes to decision, or Park by decision. How do you feel about this one, brother? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much with you. It's a weird fight. I think it's actually one of the more interesting fights on the entire slate, if I'm being honest. You know, it's two guys. Like, I did not really rate Robocop coming into the UFC much, but he impressed me against Dusko, whereas I've loved Park. You know, I, I guess my only issue with Park is I think he lacks athleticism and power, and I kind of think, you know, that could be where the rubber meets the road here, where it's like you have Park's technical acumen, which I do think on the feet, is probably a bit better than Rodriguez's, <clears throat> but Rodriguez hits a lot harder, and I think he's a bit faster. And so it's going to be an interesting fight where it's like, I think Park is likely to look better, but also the power optics may favor Rodriguez. And the grappling is interesting here as well because, <clears throat> Jesus, sorry, I think Park is the better wrestler, but obviously Rodriguez is a decorated jiu-jitsu practitioner and given that Park did get subbed by Hernandez, it is a bit concerning of what happens if Rodriguez takes him down. But I don't think that's a lot to happen. So it's a weird fight. It's a fun fight. Uh, in terms of, I am kind of with you. I think the over, it's a little juiced, but I like the over here. And I like goes to decision, like minus 135. I really, unless like Rodriguez knocks him out, I really don't think a finish is very likely in this fight. So I, li I like goes to the distance quite a bit. 
Awesome. Glad we're on the same page for this fight. Again, probably the most difficult fight to break down. Yeah. So we'll see how it actually goes down tomorrow Tomorrow morning. Actually, just a good reminder for you guys. The fights actually when take is... place 1 p.m. Eastern is the, the prelim right. start time. 4 p.m. Eastern is the main card start time. And we got 14 motherfucking fights coming at us. So make sure you guys are strapped up and ready to go. John, I don't think you're even going to be watching the fights live, are you? Oh, I will be. I will okay. be. I have, I'm going to a wedding tonight. I will be good and hungover watching the fights, <laughs> trying not to die in bed. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> there we fucking go. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's move on to the next fight here. First fight on the main card. And this is uh, the opportunity I always like to take to remind you guys to make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, and then follow my guy, John, over there uh, at MMA Fox on Twitter. And then obviously check out his podcast as well that he does with Sparring with Reality Betting. That's my guy, Luke Lamp, who's actually going to be on the show later tonight for the Ultimate Wayne show where we digest the weigh-ins and then give our final thoughts on the card uh and then obviously he has legs the capper as well as our guy c as well who finally made an appearance yesterday i finally saw so I'm glad he that did. he's on the, on the show um uh link is in the description below for the club and sub channel make sure you guys go over there and hit them with a subscribe all right let's move on to the first fight on the main card here we got nick nega mariana going up against ike villanueva uh somehow this fight is on a ufc main card minus 225 on nega mariano plus 185 the return on ike villanueva i feel as though ike uh sorry um and nick needs to get this fight to the ground um and, and that's probably where he has the most amount of success villanueva seems to be a boxer like not even a kickboxer this guy seems to be a boxer wants to go out there and wants to throw hands let alone he doesn't even seem like a 205er to begin with seems like he actually is a bloated uh middleweight at this point in time uh both guys very difficult to make a case for them to to bet them on the money line in this fight plus 185 is probably the side if you want to talk about value but again when that value is attached to the name i feel in you might want to be reconsidering your life if you're thinking about betting that spot i think the best spot here is the Again, I know it's a little bit chalky. Fight doesn't go to decision around minus 290. I, I use it as a parlay piece. Use it however you please. However, I do think we'll see one of these guys get each other out. Um, Nick, slight grappling advantage. However, horrific striking defense. So I could abs absolutely pop him and possibly get him out of there. So in terms of odds, like I said, uh, uh, Villanueva by KO plus 310. Not too shabby. Probably his best win condition. And then I'd say inside the distance for Nega Mariano, which is roughly around minus 110. But again, I don't want to pay that type of money for an inside the distance prop on a fighter like Nick Nega Mariano. So my my <laughs> official prediction is going to be Nega Mariano inside the distance minus 110. Probably will be parling, parling that fight. Doesn't go to decision just for kicks. Uh, but outside of that, uh, I want nothing to do with this fight, John. Is there anything you're dumpster diving in this fight? Or how do you feel about it? I mean... I'll keep it simple. These are two of the worst fighters in the UFC. <laughs> Ike hits pretty hard. Uh, Ike also is a horrible gasser who is pretty fragile. Uh, I guess if I'm going to put money on this fight, it's going to be playing Ike round one around plus 500. I, I don't mind if you have – it's a little chalky, but if you have an alternate total, like I'm seeing two and a halfs out there, under two and a half, at so about minus 230, and I think that's not bad. But ultimately, I think the best way to play this fight, play Ike round one and then look to pivot to Nick, uh, Nick uh, live if you get a decent line there. I don't mind that approach either. Yeah, Ike is probably only live in that first round. I agree with you there. Yeah. Right, let's move on to the next fight. Uh, we got uh, Dwight Grant going up against Francisco Trinaldo. In terms of odds, we're looking at minus 135 for Trinaldo, plus 115 on Dwight Grant. Now, this is one of those fights where people are like, oh, 43 years old, let's go fade him. No, pause, just wait. 
You have Dwight Grant, 37-year-old Dwight Grant that you have on the other side here who, who you know, always seems to concede that front foot, always allows his opponent to kind of back him up, and he's always throwing these feints and all that stuff out of there. And sure, we'll give him some props. He has some decent knockout power. He had Daniel Rodriguez in all sorts of trouble. Obviously, you saw what he did to Carlo Pedersoli as well. So, yeah, you need to be worried about that knockout power for sure. But a guy in Francisco Trinaldo who's never been knocked down in his career, you know, he got dropped a couple of times by Muslim Salikov, but I rate Salikov way higher than what Grab brings to the table here. Um, I might be slightly backing the minus 135, 43-year-old Francisco Trinaldo in this spot. I think this is a prime spot for him to go out there and just stalk uh, Dwight Grant, which he normally does to a lot of opponents, is able to put a lot of strikes together and, uh, you know, really back his opponents up by just intimidating them with the power and the 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 significant strikes that he puts together in terms of, like I said, intimidating his opponents and pushing them back. Grant is right away going to gonna concede to that, and he's going to be backpedaling for the majority of this fight. So, uh, yeah, I like Grant here. Or, sorry, I like uh, Trinaldo here, minus 135. <laughs> I think it's a solid spot. Uh, if he puts him out, you know, it, it, that is an option. I do think, though, we'll see him kind of just stalking for the majority of this fight and win it via decision. So I'm going Trinaldo decision plus 195 uh, over two and a half minus 165. Not too bad of a spot, spot either, but it is a little bit, you know, just if you just considering the, the the knockout power that these guys do possess, even minus 135 on Trinaldo straight up, I think is good enough rather than taking that plus 185 KO or, or decision, whichever it was. Uh, yeah, uh, not big on the props in this fight. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I like Trinaldo as well. Um, it's just hard not to, right? You know, you touched on it. Grant's 37 also. He looks like he just got into an MMA gym a year ago. Honestly, like his <laughs> game, it's just like the only thing Grant really does well is he's fast and he hits hard. And, yeah. you know, you can catch Trinaldo here. That's certainly in play. But, you know, unless Trinaldo is completely shot, and, you know, he's getting there, but, you know, even watching like, the version of Trinaldo that showed up for the Salikov fight, I just don't see Grant presenting many issues to. Uh, like, again, he could knock him out, but how does he win minutes there? The only guy with grappling upside is Trinaldo. He is the superior technical kickboxer in every way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, Grant was having was having close minutes on the feet with Stefan Sekulic. Like, this is Francisco Trinaldo. Um, look, Grant could KO him. If you want to, like, take a prop shot here that, that I think – I don't want to say guarantee to make you money, but you, know, you take the Grant KO plus 350, and you combine it with the Trinaldo by decision plus 185, and I think you're making money on this. Um, I think Trinaldo's power is getting a bit overrated here. I don't understand how he can be minus 140 and his decision be plus 185. He's got like one KO in the last like five years, and it's against the most fragile guy in the uh, in lightweight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I think he's a huge underdog in that fight, and, too. Which and was Jay hilarious. Herbert, too. You know, the yeah. same thing. Two guys who just can't oh, take yeah. a punch, you know. <laughs> so I don't think he's going to finish uh, Grant up here at uh, welterweight. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best way to play it. I like Trinaldo, though, on the money line. I like it. I like it. Glad we're on the same page there. Let's keep this train moving along. We got four fights left to go. We got Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres going up against Sung Woo Choi. Minus 275 on Choi, plus 235 on Caceres. And it's hilarious the overcorrection that we're getting here on the Choi side of things. Yeah, he's a great fighter. Yeah, he should be favored in this fight, in my opinion. But I don't think that this line is accurate of how this fight's going to play out. I do like him in the spot still. Uh, you know, Caceres is a guy that I've kind of backed a couple of times during his uh, four fight winning streak that he's currently on, most notably the chase hooper fight kind of surprised to get because there's that plus money in that spot but glad to take it um 
But, you know, level of competition, you know, Steven Peterson is probably the best fighter out of those four fighters that he's fought. And even that fight, you can make a legitimate case for Steven Peterson there. I thought it came down to round three. I thought Peterson edged it just uh, just by an inch. Uh, but again, very close fight. With Troy, on the other hand, if he's able to really just establish that distance striking, maybe that Muay Thai clinch gets some of that damage going from there. I think his... Uh, optically speaking, I think it's going to be a little bit more favorable towards the judges. Whereas Caceres, I think he's going to have to, I think he's going to have to try to grapple here to to have success. Sure, he's a good, decent distance striker, but I think he's uh, going to be outmatched on the feet here. Um, not by a whole lot, like not to the point where I think he's going to get knocked out or anything, but I think the more damaging blows are going to be coming from the choice side of things. Uh, yeah, Caceres, hella experienced uh has a ton of skills but i think that this is you know going to be the beginning of like the decline of him i think that this is going to be the start of where we start looking at him as the sam alvey of the of that division right i think he's going to start going on a bit of a skid here so uh, i like troy i like troy decision which i currently think is sitting around plus 100 uh would want a little bit more on that to be honest but i do like troy here uh and he's going to be my side how are you go how are you going about this fight I'll be honest, Locke, I'm not enjoying this Alex Caceres slander I'm here for you right now. Um, <laughs> Lay it on me. Lay it on me, Fox. I, I, I like Caceres here, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I Look, I am a Choi guy. I bet Choi against the law. I, I do like his game. But, like, Choi is a little low volume, and we have seen guys make him miss at range quite a bit when, you know, when they've moved laterally on him. And that's all Caceres is going to do is, like, you know, circle and let the strike that way. Like, he's not going to bang it out in the pocket with Choi. So, while I think you know power dramatically favors Choi, and he's gonna have he's gonna probably he's gonna almost certainly have the bigger moments here. I do think the volume of Caceres is just a lot more reliable, and so it's like I think if it goes fifteen minutes, I shouldn't say I Caceres is locked to win, but I think he's a near lock to land more strikes. And if that's the case, even though I think the power of Choi is likely to offset a lot of what Caceres is doing in the eyes of the judges. You're still talking about a close fight. If I'm getting a plus two thirty, who I think is not likely to be finished, is probably going to land more strikes. You know, I think that's just kind of crazy. Um, in terms of the grappling, it's interesting. Like, I don't really expect Casares to have a ton of grappling success, but I do think if they get into scrambles, he could maybe be opportunistic. Because I've seen Choi get in some really uncomfortable positions in scrambles before that are kind of awkward. Like he almost got finished in round three by Zalal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just personally think I favor Choi slightly here. I think it's a close fight. I don't really understand like how the the, the odds are implying Caceres have under a thirty percent chance to beat a guy who's just plus two hundred to Yusuf Zalal. Um, you know, you know, which I mean, that line was crazy in fairness, but still. Uh, so I like Caceres here, and you know, Caceres by decision of plus four fifty seems crazy to me too. So I like that as well. I like it. I like it. The dog, forever the dog hunter, my guy John. But he makes a pretty damn good case for Caceres, and I agree with him. This line is a little bit too wacky for my liking. All right, let's move on to the next fight. Here we got Jessica Rose Clark going up against Jocelyn Edwards, minus one sixty on Rose Clark and plus one forty on Edwards. Now this is the first time we're seeing Clark back in the cage since her pulverization of Sarah Alpar. But uh, since then. You know, it seems like she's really getting comfortable at this 135-pound weight class. She did have a little stint at 125, but she seems, like I said, to be to be getting comfortable at 135 pounds. Really showing off that she's, like, behind a legitimate strength and conditioning uh, program, right? Like, that's something that she's been very yeah. much emphasizing over the last little while. And I think that we're going to see it come into play this weekend against Jocelyn Edwards, who just... I think it was somebody in my Discord channel that was just like she she's just string bean. 
right? Like, like it's going to be very, very easy for Clark if she goes about it with the grapple-heavy approach, which I think she's going to to get Edwards down here and grind her out. We saw Carol Hosa have 11 and a half minutes of control time on top. Uh, I do think that Hosa is a better jiu-jitsu player than Clark, but I do think that Clark could possibly be the better wrestler in this situation, especially considering, like, it seems like she's been going everywhere to get some training, especially with the grappling, a.k.a. she's been spending time with DC as well a little bit. Yeah. Uh, obviously, she jumps around in those gyms in the Las Vegas area, so she's a bit of a nomad in that in that sense. But I do think that this is a solid opportunity for her to go out there and just grapple fucking opponent. I think Edwards could make things interesting on the feet. Uh, and I was impressed with her in her debut, thinking that she could be a bit of a... Uh, you know, a, a, a solid prospect, but seeing uh, the, her poor reactions that Carl in that Carol Hosa fight and Hosa, I greatly, you know, I, I rank her very highly. I think she's probably one of the best prospects in that division at this point in time. But just the lack of true work from the back of Jocelyn Edwards, it's like night and day in terms of what we saw with her fight against Yunnan Wu and then what we saw against Carol Hosa. Now she's probably dealing with the strongest woman she's ever fought. I think she's going to struggle a lot in terms of getting back to her feet or getting anything going off of her back here. So I am on the Jessica Rose Clark side. Uh, I do think she'll win this by decision. I think this is going to be a grapple fucking plus 135, not too shabby either. But again, is it worth it compared to the minus 160 you're getting on the money line? Uh, and there could be a possible pot uh, potential of a, a ground and pound finish for Rose Clark. Maybe, maybe not against our all part, just really not the, the greatest level of competition either. And funny enough, she has a win over Jocelyn Edwards on the regional scene, five round of fight where she was able to take her down time and time again. And then her control time was enough for her to get that win that night. So, I still do end up on the Rose Clark side. I'd like to see her kind of prove herself a little bit more, right? Other than that, just yeah. that Sarah Alpar fight. But I do think that stylistically speaking, this is a great matchup for her to go out there and do what she wants to do. Are you giving Edwards any any shot in this fight? And ultimately, who do you think wins? And what's, what's the prop you like? I mean, if I thought that Edwards or that Clark wasn't going to wrestle here, I would be on Edwards probably because I do think the striking is probably more competitive and maybe even favor Edwards slightly just yeah. on like volume. Like you got to give Edwards credit. She did look good on the feet against Yanan and she actually outlanded Hosa at distance, which is kind of wild. The problem is if I hadn't seen the Sarah Alpar fight, I could maybe talk myself into making an Edwards bet here. Uh, and I mean the Sarah Alpar fight where Sarah Alpar grapple fucks um, Jocelyn Edwards, you know, it's like, that's kind of unforgivable for me. It's like, not even just because it's Sarah Alpar. It's like, so I've seen that Sarah Alpar is terrible. And then I saw it didn't look much better. Now, I, again, I could have forgiven the host of fight without that, but we kind of know what we're getting into here. Um, I'm a little afraid to bet Jesse Jess just because, you know, historically she hasn't been a very proactive grappler. She should be here and she should dominate this fight if she is. But, you know, if she does it, it's going to be something you're sweating your dick off in the third round, right? You know, if, if she doesn't come out and dive on legs. But with that said, you know, I'm kind of with you. I do expect she's going to do that. Um, I like her by decision, although, to be honest, I'd almost rather play the money line. I don't know. It's a weird fight because, like, yeah. I, for whatever reason, like, she I shouldn't have, finish her. She shouldn't yeah. finish her, right? Like, she, she should win the but decision. She shouldn't have finished Alpar. You know? Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I, and I, I just have, I don't know. I can't explain it. I have bad vibes about this fight. You know, I've been debating playing J J um, <clears throat> JRC all week. And I just, I don't know, something feels off. Maybe I'm just being paranoid. I felt this way about the Alpar fight too. And I passed which is one of my <laughs> worst passes of the year, but you know, I don't know. I'm avoiding it. I do think if you're going to play it, play the JRC decision, it's probably the safest play out there. Um, I guess you can finish Edwards on the map. But again, if Hosa didn't, Clark really shouldn't either. 
Interesting line movement on this fight over there on five dimes. Rose Clark opened yeah. up minus 195, got bet down to evens, and now she's back up to minus 160. So very interesting amount of love coming in for Edwards at that point in time. But it seems like the public is trying to get on yeah. to that Rose Clark side. All right, let's move on to the co-main event. We got minus 450 on Mr. Grand Dawson, plus 360 on Rick Glenn. Um Interesting fight here, man. I, I don't want to pay the juice on uh, Grand Dawson in this spot, even though I think he should go out there and roll in this fight. Uh, very solid prospect. Uh, we can kind of start throwing out those cardio issue narrative that we're really yeah. going into some of his fights, especially with him getting a last second finish in his last fight against Leonardo Santos. Uh, Rick Glenn on the other side had a pretty long hiatus and then came back and knocked out Joaquin Silva in uh, 37 seconds. So very, very difficult to tell what kind of Rick Glenn we're getting off, uh, getting after such a long layoff that he was having. Obviously, he's obviously moved gyms up to Des Moines, Iowa now, I think, where's his hometown. Uh, this is going to be a second camp over there. I think he opened up a gym or he's a he's a he's an owner or part owner of one of the gyms up there uh you know he did leave team alpha male that was his home base before now he's up there in uh iowa like i was saying and then on the uh grant dawson side obviously james Krause prodigy probably his best prospect to this point in time and probably his best shot at getting a champion in that glory mma and fitness uh gym uh, I think he should go out there and roll here against uh, Rick Glenn. I think he should be able to land takedowns. I don't think the striking is going to be super worrisome for him. Although Grant Dawson's style seems to be just pot shotting from the outside with weird and just like unorthodox uh, entries and stuff. Whereas Rick Glenn is kind of that meat and potatoes guy that's just going to move forward, try to throw a couple strikes and try to just, you know, really put it on you. I just don't see him having that success here against uh, uh, Dawson. I was trying to find a reason to bet Glenn in this spot. I, I just can't do it, man. I know the odds are nice value possibly on his side, but I do like uh, Dawson in this spot. And I, I'm trying to figure out if he gets him out of there. I don't think he gets him out of there. Rick Glenn is quite durable himself. I think he's only been finished one time in his career, which was like seven years ago to uh, to Lance Palmer. But I think that uh, we, we've seen him make the improvements. He is durable. He knows what he's doing. And I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult for Grant Dawson to get him out of there. So I like Dawson in this. Dawson by decision will probably be the way that I go. Uh, and that's currently sitting at uh, plus 120. Obviously better than the money line, but I think that's more of his win condition than anything. How do you feel about this matchup, brother? Yeah, I mean, I'm a Dawson truther, to be completely honest. Um, I, I think he's really good. I, like you touched on, you know, it's pretty clear now he doesn't have cardio issues. And if you have a guy who's going to attempt 10, 12 takedowns a fight and isn't going to slow down, you know, those are the kind of guys who, you know, you want to be backing in the UFC, right? So, like, to be completely honest, like, am I going to lay minus 400? No. But I also just don't really think that Glenn provides really any issues to Dawson. It's like I've seen people use the Bermudez fight kind of as like a point for why Glenn can be competitive here. Dawson's control game is so much better. So much better. Yeah. It's he, he got this, what he got six takedowns in that fight, but yeah. Glenn was up pretty much immediately. I, if he gets Glenn down, Glenn's probably not getting back up. Um, I, I do like the decision. I think because Glenn is a brown belt, I think, and he's probably he's probably going to be able to retain guard. And, you know, Dawson will posture and throw ground and pound, but Glenn's a tough guy. He's a vet. I, I really – I mean, I shouldn't say I can't see Dawson finishing him. I can, but I do think decision is, like, the best way to play this, though. Um, I also, honestly – and I'm not really a parlay guy, but, like, I don't really mind parlaying Dawson in this spot. I honestly think the line is probably a bit short. Um, I I don't think parlaying, like, Dawson and, like, Tabitha Ritchie is the craziest thing in the world, to be completely honest with you. Uh, are you are you yeah. saying we're gonna see a John parlay for the first time in fucking ever? <laughs> we, we might. Might happen, Lock. 
<laughs> so yeah, I like Dawson here, and I like Dawson by decision as well. I like it. I like it. All right, let's move on to the main event. And always like to remind you guys at this point in time, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe. We got about 140 live viewers at this point in time, so we got to get that like count up. And also, let's give some love to my guy John over there and his club and sub podcast. You guys can find the link to his channel in the description below. Make sure you guys go give them a follow and check them out every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Main event time. We got Paulo Costa going up against Marvin Vittori. Originally a middleweight fight at 185 pounds, then got moved up to 195 pounds. And now we are set at 205 pounds. I saw Paulo Costa weigh in at 204.5. Not 100% sure what Vittori has weighed in at, but I'm interested to see what he looks like on the scale. In terms of odds, heavily ballooning in Vittori's favor now. Minus 195. He was about minus 130, minus 120, 120 earlier in the week. But it seems like everybody's getting behind Vittori now, especially with their narrative that's been going on about Paulo Costa. I don't think it has that much of a bearing on how this fight's going to go. If anything, it kind of just shows uh, the lack of preparations Paulo Costa probably had for this fight, right? I don't think he really took it that seriously. I truly think he wants out of the UFC. I think he knows he's going to get paid better in Bellator or PFL or something like that, which is why he's doing all the shenanigans this week. With that said, breaking this fight down, it's pretty much the same as I would have if they made it 185 pounds. Paulo Costa only been to a decision once in his career. Gas tank did not look the greatest. Luckily for him, he had Yoel Romero on the other side who, you know, say what you want about all of his third round finishes. His cardio doesn't usually look the greatest in third rounds either. And I think that's where I think it really starts to change, right? We'll see Paulo Costa probably get the better of the exchanges in this fight at early, but Vittori, super durable, never been knocked out. I think he'll be able to take those shots. And then the longer that this fight goes on, I think we see Vittori take over. Um, I am... Uh, I am, well, actually, I'm not flirting with it. I'm more than likely going to do it. Round three, round four, round five for Vittori. I think he's more than live to go out there and finish Paulo Costa, especially considering the Paulo Costa that we're currently getting. People can say, oh, you know, the weight advantage is probably in Costa's favor. Sure, but with his fighting style, which is to go out there and try to knock your opponent out, uh, you know, he only has a limited amount of time to do so. So I do like the Vittori line here. I don't even mind him up to that minus 200, minus 220 point because I think his durability will come through and then his cardio will be the beneficiary uh, uh, or the benefiting factor as to why he wins this fight. He should go out there, survive the early onslaught, take over round three, four, five, finish. Uh, I like all of that. I, I, I did put out a Vittori by decision as possibly one of the, the better props to bet on this fight. But I do think considering everything that's been going on during fight week, again, I don't like to read into narratives too much, but this feels as though Costa is not ready to go a full 25 minutes. I think Vittori is. I think he'll make him pay in rounds three, four, and five. So uh, round props. Round props is what I'm liking for this fight. Vittori straight, I don't mind it either. But Vittori round three plus 1,100. Vittori round four plus 1,700. And Vittori round five plus 2,500. Sprinkling and all that shits. How are you feeling about this matchup, John? <laughs> yeah, um, I like I like Vittori, to be honest, I guess. I don't really – I mean, I, I don't think I'd play the current line, which is about – Minus 185, minus 175 is what I'm seeing at the moment. Uh, what I do think, though, I think the best kind of way to play it, like even if Costa does want to get caught, like I don't think he's going to come out here and non-compete. Like I'd expect Costa's probably going to have some success early in this fight uh, for seven, eight minutes. Uh, and then we should probably get a decent live line on Vittori. Like it's possible we could get a plus, lo- a plus number on Vittori in round two or round three. Uh, and I do think, you know, at this point, we've seen it like three times. Like Costa's cardio dropping off after eight minutes is pretty <clears> – <throat> it's pretty reliable. And Vittori having a ton of cardio is also pretty reliable. So I think if I'm going to bet Vittori, like I'd almost rather just bet it there. Uh, 
I, and you know, beyond that though, I'm with you. Like, look, I, I'm with you for everything you said. I think Vittori's a much more well-rounded fighter. He might not be the better boxer, but again, after Costa's cardio starts to go, it's not going to really matter that much. He's certainly the better grappler. And I kind of think with Vittori's pace, once Costa starts to go, he's probably going to get finished to be completely honest with you. Uh, so I like Vittori inside the distance, which I'm seeing at plus 250 in some places, plus 240, plus 210. It, it is a wide range what you can get there. And I also, yeah, I mean, three, four, five, like I would take small pokes at all of those, to be honest with you, because I do think Vittori probably puts it on him here. And the vibe I get from Costa, look, Vittori beat up Kevin Holland and didn't finish him, but Holland was retaining guard, still had gas. Costa's going to be death gassed and getting beat up by an angry Italian on top of him. Um, yeah, I like Vittori here. I like three, four, five. Um, Again, I wouldn't bet the money line. I'd rather just wait to play it live, you know. Uh, if he finishes in round one, okay, like that's fine. But again, I'd rather just get the Costa, have Costa's successful moments out of the way before I get my money in on Vittori. Yes, sir. And I also like the under four and a half, which currently at Corbett, you can get at minus 128. So I might have to pull the trigger that's on that That's a pretty good one. number. So I'm, I'll more than likely be pulling the trigger on that lineup because it will obviously yeah. cover out Costa finish because I think that's the only way he wins this fight. All right, let's quickly wrap this up here because I know I got to get John out of here. Let's do the uh, the best bets and props. We don't have anything from Cody, so it's just going to be me and John. Um, let me just quickly bring this up. Uh, yeah, I've already told you guys a little bit earlier. Ultimate Wayne Show tonight, special start, start time, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. I want to get fucked up as soon as I can, so I'm trying to wrap up all these streams as soon as I can as well. Um, so Luke from Sparring with Reality Betting, another member of the Club and Sub Podcast with John, uh, is going to be going on the show with me tonight, so make sure you guys tune in for that. Um, yeah, Club and Sub sandwich for me today with you <laughs> and Luke. Very much looking forward to that because I love me some Luke as well. All right, let's not waste too much of our time. Let's get into the props here. I am, first and foremost, going to be going with Tabitha Ricci inside the distance. Plus 140, I do think that they, that she's the side. I think once she gets this fight to the ground, it will be relatively easy relatively easy for her to find a finish, whether it's a ground and pound or a submission. Let's not get greedy. I know a lot of people are on the submission side here, but there's been plenty of times, especially over the last couple of weeks, uh, Carnalosi by sub, you know, certain things like that. We need to remember, let's not get greedy. Go with the inside the distance. You're getting plus money on it anyway. Reach inside the distance, plus 140. I love it. Next up, Molina by KO, plus 450. I think that line is ridiculous, especially considering the way that uh, Lacerda, or sorry, De Silva fights. And I think that Molina will be the more disciplined striker here. I think he'll be able to get through that first round and then after that start to take over and then eventually find that knockout blow, plus 450. Love that. And then you guys know me. Got to get a little bit crazy. Going with Vittori round props here, round three, four, and five, plus 1,100, plus 1,700, plus 2,500. Uh, or if you have access to one of those bookies that allows you to bet the round four or five decision or even round three, four, five, I think that's a solid spot too uh, at anything that they give you in terms of plus money. But I'm going to be sprinkling all those individually regardless. John, you are up to bat, my man. Yes, sir. So first bet of the, I have, Marcos by decision. I don't really see many scenarios where she finishes Lavinia Souza here, but I do like her to win this fight quite a bit. And I think as long as she doesn't get grinded out, she's going to win. I think decision's like 80% of her win equity. So plus 150, I think we're getting a great line there. Uh, next up, we got Kaba Worthy by KO. Look, at the end of the day, both of these guys are fragile. I do think there's value on Worthy, but if Worthy's having success, we're probably not going the distance, right? And it's going to be a kickboxing match. So again, it's probably his most likely path to victory, and having it at only at 20% implied is, again, crazy to me. So I love the worthy KO. 
And Richie, ITD, I am with Locke here 100%. Maria Oliveira, not UFC level. She is tragically poor on the ground. Richie's going to try to take her down. She's going to get her down. She may be a brown belt, but really she's black belt level jiu-jitsu. Uh, I expect her to finish with zero problem here. So I love the Richie ITD. Bang. There you guys go. Three best bets from me and John for tomorrow. Remember, 1 p.m. Eastern prelim start time, 4 p.m. Eastern main card start time. So if you're one of those DraftKings guys, make sure you guys get it done nice and early. And if you guys are one of those guys that like to take a nap like myself, make sure your ass is up because the fights are going to be on. All right, John, uh, anything you want to say on the back end here before I wrap this bitch up? Nope, just check us out on Wednesday nights and uh, bet Jonathan Martinez this fight this week, guys. There we go. War Jonathan Martinez. I literally just bet uh, Jonathan Martinez at plus 150 Let's once I saw him on the scale. So I got a unit and a half on him there. All right. Um, on behalf of myself and John, uh, we'll see you guys uh, next. Actually, next week is going to be Cody because it's a big I'll be gone weekend. for two straight pay-per-views, I think. Two straight actually. weeks and two straight pay-per-views are going to be gone. Yeah. So we won't see John again until uh, like mid-November-ish. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern tonight, me and Luke Lamp, I believe is his last name, sparring with Reality Betting. We're going to be going over the fights one last time for you guys now that we got the wins done with. John, appreciate you taking the time. Good luck on the wedding tonight. Have fun. Get shit-faced and enjoy your fights tomorrow with you guys as well. Make sure you guys enjoy the fights tomorrow. Hopefully, we cash our bets. And I will see you guys tonight. War. Thanks, guys. Jonathan Martinez, peace out. War Martinez, peace, guys.